Hello and welcome, everybody. I'm David Widmar, co-founder and managing partner of Agricultural Economic Insights. Of course, this is the AEI Premium Podcast, where we, the AEI team, step back and sort of take a look at behind the scenes, what we were thinking about, what we're pondering as we're writing the article. So this is not a substitute for the content on AEI Premium, but sort of a deeper dive enhancement, uh, again, that behind the scenes. Look, today's October the 28th, again, that time of the year where we have Halloween, we have daylight savings time, and then before you know it's Thanksgiving, and then a few weeks after that, it's Christmas and the new year. So we're in that last slide of the calendar year. So always a fun time, always a busy time, but looking forward to chatting with you today about uh, a few articles that we wrote this week and some things that we're really diving down deep into and encouraging you to, of course, go check out the articles and, and follow up even more. First thing we want to talk a little bit about is China's ag purchases. They remain on a really fast pace. When we have the data now through August, we can see that China has purchased around $23 billion for this calendar year. Again, this is not only more than they purchased during those trade war years. But you know, we're starting to see even 2017 pre-trade war, this is starting to be a really big purchase. It's setting up to be bigger than activity last year, which was already a record, but even bigger than you know several years before that. So just a really big development on the horizon. I don't see a lot of people talking about it. I don't see a lot of people writing about it. It's a little bit of a head scratcher for us. But I guess this is what happens with a trade war that's front and center. And there's also not a phase one trade agreement that everyone's keeping score on. Of course, we like countdowns as a society. And this countdown is a really powerful element of that story. Unrelated, and we'll include a link in the show notes, Brent and I were recently reading an article about how during the height of the trade war in late 2019, US and China were trying to have these talks, President Xi and President Trump were trying to have these talks at a G20 event in Argentina. In the background, there was the arrest of an executive at Huawei, the big Chinese tech firm, and kind of this prisoner swap that took place several years later. We want to share that article because I think it's something that we all kind of remember hearing about in passing and then just kind of disappeared. And so kind of a little more tension going on there at that point of the trade war that I think any of us appreciated. I think kind of amazing that we got an agreement put together after what happened. And the fact that that it still lingered a lot longer than what most of us anticipated. That prisoner swap or that uncertainty that was going on in that situation lasted for a while. So I'm going to go back to the article today. What's the pace right now? China's on pace to buy more than 40 billion. You can, if you're looking at this article, you're going to see that about 36 billion purchased last year. That pace was really strong at the beginning of the year in January. It's slipped one month of data. It slipped into February into March, but has been steadily growing. So we've seen this kind of this ramping up of China's activity throughout the calendar year. And of course, regular readers and followers will know that. About soybeans account for about half of all the purchases on average, and a majority of soybeans get purchased in the last three months of a calendar year. So the activity is always heavily skewed to the end of the calendar. We've also been following three commodities, really specific, corn, beef, and soybeans. Of course, corn and beef are the ones that have been jumping out because they've been buying way more of those commodities than they have in the past. Soybeans have been you know, in there. They account for half of all the trade. 
on a dollar basis, but they haven't been sort of rallying. So what's been going on throughout the summer months with trade in these commodities? Well, corn activity has slowed down relative to what we saw in 2021. Still, historically, kind of hard to wrap our minds around, hard to wrap our thinking around. But it's sort of the narrative is somewhere between the sky is falling. It's def- we're not at that threshold, but we're not breaking any records. I think that's sometimes hard for us to think about, you know, what's going on here. Is it somewhere between better than it usually is, but not as good as it was last year? What's going on for soybeans? Again, soybeans, I think if we were to look at some of the data, we could start to see a soybean story improvement based on the early sales. We talked about that in a different article. But we'll talk about that just in a second. So there's this idea here that maybe the soybean story is starting to turn around, but looking at the data through August of actual things booked and shipped and moved, we just have not seen that uptick in terms of total bushels. It's definitely not again a bad news story, but it's not a record-breaking news story. So finally, beef, beef is still a record. I think it's like a 50% year-over-year increase. They've just been purchasing a lot of beef. It's been accelerating. We're going to, of course, dive into that into future articles to really understand the global implications and the total trade implications. Again, I mentioned this earlier, kind of this story about early export sales. What's going on here is there's shifting narrative. We always find the beginning of a marketing year for corn and soybeans at September. We step back and say, how many sales commitments are out there? These aren't beans or corn loaded up on the ship and gone, which is what we just talked about. That data has a lag. This is sort of a more of a leading indicator. It's telling us how many commitments are there. Of course, a lot can happen. There can be cancellation. Things can accelerate. They can slow down. But what's been going on? And so we looked at corn and soybeans. Of course, this is an activity through the first of September. Things have changed since then. But that first of September is a good starting point for that conversation. First off, you know, corn Early sales were down quite a bit, about not quite half, but a big decline in early export sales. We were over 900 million bushels last year, early sold. This year, we're 450, 470 million bushels. So a big pullback, especially over the activity we saw the last two years. If you look back in history, there's quite a bit of variability in how much corn we have as an early sale indicator. Before diving into this too much, you got to note that the USDA has already been projecting a decrease in corn exports for the entire marketing year and soybean exports for the entire marketing year. This is a scenario where we have tight stocks, high prices. This isn't a time in history when we'd anticipate exports or even demand to grow robustly, but we want to sort of help capture this and help provide some framework around that. What's really important to keep in mind is China's purchases. Again, it's kind of this in this Goldilocks story narrative paradox where China purchased over 450 million bushels of corn in that early purchase window last year. This year, they're coming in at 130, 140 million bushels. Again, it's the it looks like a big decline, year-over-year decline. It's kind of a staggering decline. So in September 2022, their purchase commitments at the beginning of the market year were just 28% of what they were the year before. So a big shift, a big decline, but still the third biggest activity that we've seen from China in the last 20 plus years. So how do we frame this up? Well, China is still buying. They're still planning to buy quite a bit for the next marketing year. It just might not be as much as it was the last two years. So how do we think about that? 
Also should be noted that non-China buyers of corn have also declined from last year. Again, this idea of rationing demand or limiting demand or cutting back on usage because of high prices. Soybeans could be a bit of a bright spot here. We talked about earlier how we hadn't seen an uptick in Chinese purchases of soybeans, but when we look at early export sales, we do see that has trended higher for year over year. We've also seen that China has bought more early soybeans this year than they bought a year ago. Not as much as they did two years ago, but we saw an uptick here. Non-China buyers of soybeans about the same. So we have a situation where all buyers of corn and soybeans have cut back a little bit of international buyers, but for corn, both have cut back for corn. For soybeans, we saw that it was mostly limited to China actually buying more and the, any sort of cutback thus far has been unchanged from the non-buyer. So we'll have to see how the soybean situation plays out. But again, mostly a positive story here. We'll see how that wraps up. So a lot of considerations. We have the last two questions for the yield contest, the last four questions, excuse me, last four questions to be resolved. So we'll have that contest winner announced here shortly after the November WASI report. I think Pretty clear corn is going to be below trend line, soybeans a little more uncertainty, but how the estimates going to change from last month? I feel like there's been this bias of every report has been a little bit smaller than the previous one. So this idea of maybe a small crop gets smaller, but we'll have to see. I think these are really hard for me to forecast. To wrap today's conversation up, got to mention a little bit of a programming note. Given our travel schedules here within the AEI team, given the holidays, but also our increased workload from the podcast series, Nothing Borrow, Nothing Gain. Make sure you check that out if you're not already listening to that, but also just our team's availability from exciting life events to you know regular holiday travel. So I'm mentioning all this because the podcast here that we're working on, the web, the video as well, might not be as regular for the next two months. So we'll get back into a regular cadence in January, but for the next two months, we'll provide updates, but they won't be on the regular Friday cadence as we've seen before. So just plan ahead. But really, if you're listening to this, want to make sure that we're not cannibalizing your time, really click over and listen to that Nothing Borrow, Nothing Gain series. It's really great. We had the first few episodes out there. They're on the website. They're fired up. They're going really well. We've really enjoyed the feedback from that. This is one of those podcast series that going to provide you with historical context, some ideas about how the ag finance system that we're in today came to be and how there's been a series of updates and adjustments and improvements over time. So kind of a good history, good background information for you to have for you to think about as we move forward. Again, nothing borrowed, nothing gained. We're not going to turn the content spigot off on you here. Make sure you follow that. Make sure you keep up with that. I think if you're going to have an hour of your time each week to spend consuming some content, want to make sure you have time for that. So we'll look forward to the regular schedule starting in 2023. But in the meantime, Watch for some updates from Brent and I and the rest of the team on a more spontaneous, less routine manner. All right, that's all I have for this week. Look forward to catching you next time. Until then, stay curious.